It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hey, how's it going? Welcome to episode number 350 of Locked On Raptors for Monday, June 18th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of LockedOnRaptors.com and RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean. Find the show at Locked On Raptors. We can find links to every single episode. Of course, make sure you're checking out the Locked On Podcast Network. It is a fantastic resource at this time of year because we have the Locked On NBA mock draft going on. I believe Tuesday you will hear the final round, and I should be taking part, even though the Raptors don't have a pick, I should be taking part in a Reddit AMA talking about the Raptors' lack of involvement in the draft, I guess, if you will. Um, so stay tuned for that around 2 o'clock tomorrow, and make sure you listen to the whole mock draft. It's great. A lot of work went into it. Jeremy Wu from SI is there doing prospect breakdowns. It's, uh, it's a good time, so make sure you check it out. And if you find a host that you like in the course of the mock draft, find their separate show on iTunes and leave a rating or a review. And you can do that with us. Lockdown Raptors is on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, all those places. It takes no time at all. It's very helpful. It moves us to the rankings and all that good stuff. So thank you in advance for taking the time. Uh, all right. Let's uh, get to today's show. On today's show, look, it's the Raptors uh, this week are not the team that is at most people's forefront. They're, they don't have a pick. It's pretty boring. Uh, and it's kind of up in the air. The Raptors don't leak very much, so it's hard to really say what exactly they're going to do. There are some balls in the air, I suppose, and there was a report today from Mark Stein suggesting that the Raptors are trying to trade into the top 10, which surprises me because I don't know really what they would do to get into the top 10, what they're offering, but that's interesting. Shea Gilgis-Alexander, the guy from uh, the place that I live right now, Hamilton, Ontario, is... Uh, apparently the guy who's the, the target for the Raptors. So we're going to talk about that and a whole lot more with uh, a returning guest on the show. I think you were here last time to help my dumb ass help with, uh, with draft stuff <laughs> last year. It's uh, from Clips Nation, from Blazers Edge, from all over the place, and a very good draft brain. It's Robert Flom. How's it going, man? I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm uh, fine. It's like insanely hot in uh, the mm. Toronto area right now, and it sucks, and I'm miserable and lethargic and sad. <laughs> Uh, because hot weather is trash, and the draft stuff, if the Raptors were doing some stuff, it might cover that up. But the Raptors aren't doing anything right now, so I'm kind of just sitting waiting in the winds and sweating my ass off. Um, so we were going to do just a podcast because I wanted someone on who's a smart draft person to talk about guys who the Raptors might be looking at if they buy into the second round or if they mm-hmm. end up you know, getting an under undrafted for agent guy like they did with Fred Van Vliet. So I wanted someone to talk about that, and then this report came out, and I thought, hey, like this could kind of tie in a little bit with the Clippers stuff and your areas of expertise. So uh, glad to have you on to dive into this stuff. Let's start with the Shea Gilgis-Alexander rumor, I guess. Again, it's so hard to say because this time of year, information's flying around. There's always a reason for why the information is flying around. And it's probably not coming from the Raptors in any of these situations. We know by now the Raptors don't leak anything. They're a very tight-lipped organization. They don't really want their stuff out there. And if you're hearing something, it's probably not coming from the Raptors' camp. That doesn't mean it's not legit. And Mark Stein obviously has his sources and knows what he's talking about. But I would take everything that comes out about the Raptors with a bit of a grain of salt, unless it comes from a Michael Grange or a, you know, even like Zach Lowe, someone like someone that we know is plugged in with the team. Woj as well is one of the guys who's more plugged in with the team as well. So I would take all that stuff with a grain of salt. That said, 
we have to talk about this because it's interesting and because it could potentially change the shape of the lottery if the Raptors do get what they reportedly want to do and, and trade into the top 10 or thereabouts to draft Shea Gilgis Alexander, who some people might know. I will reiterate, I don't, I'm not a draft person. I don't know shit. So that's why Robert's here. Um, Shea Gilgis Alexander, though, is a 6'5, six, 6'6 six, six point guard, played at Kentucky this season. Uh, I believe he has a brother as well, Nikhil Alexander, who plays for Virginia Tech, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and uh, Robert, I, I don't know. This is a guy that I'm sure, considering where the Clippers sit with the 12th and 13th picks, this is the guy that you've spent a lot of time sort of looking at and watching film on and sort of breaking down. What should people know about Shea Gilgis-Alexander in the event that the Raptors do accomplish what they've set out to do and trade into the top 10 and draft him? Well... Shea is a really interesting prospect. Uh, he's actually been one of the guys who's most frequently mocked to the Clippers, so Clippers fans have seen a lot of him and, for the most part, would actually be pretty happy with uh, him getting drafted. So take the uh, knowledge level for the Clippers fan base, what you will, um, but he is definitely one of the favorite prospects of you know the general like Twitter base and, and comments and, and all that kind of stuff. He's a long... You know, wingspan of seven feet guard. Like you said, he's six six. He's really young. He's just turning twenty. Uh, he's a little old for a freshman, but he's just turning twenty, like two weeks after the draft. So he's young. Um, and there are some questions about whether he's actually a true point guard or not. Um, mostly due to like his not great quickness. Mm-hmm. Um, and like he's a good passer. He's not an amazing passer. But the things that stand out to him about him, I guess I should say, are he's just a really, really smart basketball player. He rarely makes mistakes. He takes care of the ball. He makes pretty good passes. He's not like a fantastic passer like Trey Young or Luka Doncic. He's not going to set the world on fire, but he can run a pick and roll very, very well. Um, he's one of the best runners of the pick and roll uh, in college this year, I believe. And he showed that he could shoot mostly uh, wide open off the catch, so not all that helpful in today's NBA, especially if you're a lead guard. But he has a base there, at least, of shooting. Uh, he does like taking little dribble pull-in jumpers when he's run off the three-point line, which isn't like the most efficient so- shot. But again, uh, like he can shoot. Um, he's not a guy who you're drafting and just you have to assign him a shooting coach, uh, and you have to hope he just becomes a shooter. But really, I think the key for him would just be that he's a guy you can comfortably rely on to be a pretty good defensive player at point guard and probably covering shooting guards as well, especially once he bulks up a little. And maybe if he's right now, it says he's like 180 ish pounds, uh, you know, maybe in a few years when he hits like 200 ish, uh, if he bulks up that much, he could even do cover some small forwards with his wingspan and length. Uh, so it's really he's a multi-positional guy on defense he could play a little bit off ball he did a little at Kentucky due to the shooting and yeah uh, he's not a guy who's considered to have star upside I don't think most people uh, who I've seen and talked to would think that he's like a high lock to make like an all-star team Uh, but he's a guy with a very high floor just due to his size his smarts his just basic skills he can really finish around the basket Uh, he flashed some like euro steps and some some interesting moves um, to free himself and he uses his length really well. So he's an interesting prospect. Um, it's actually a little puzzling. The Raptors aren't on a guy like him and not a guy with like somewhat more upside because mm-hmm. I know I'm not you know as plugged into the Raptors as you are, of course. But the main knock has been about like their lack of a superstar or just even a guy who can really continue to get shots in the playoffs against playoff defenses. And Gal- Gilgis Alexander really does not project as that guy. 
Uh, he would be a player who could definitely help like a good playoff team, even in his rookie season, though. Uh, so that's basically the lowdown. Uh, he's a good prospect, and he's actually been rising up the draft boards in recent weeks. And I think the latest rumor is that possibly why the Raptors need a top 10 pick is that he won't fall past the Hornets at 11 if he's still there. Right, right. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yeah, it's... um. It's weird. I, I kind of agree that it seems like a strange pick, considering everything you just said. I mean, everything you just said, you, it sounded like you were talking about DeLon Wright. Like, yeah, to, to a T. Like, 6'6", six, six, long wingspan, good defender, uh, can shoot wide open threes, but not so much maybe if he's contested or whatever. Uh, good finisher around the basket, very smart. That sounds exactly like DeLon Wright to me. So it seems weird that A, they'd want DeLon Wright 2.0, and B, that they'd want a guy whose upside is maybe not incredibly high. Because, yeah, that is kind of the knock on the Raptors. And maybe, depending on what you think about OG Ananobi or Pascal Siaka, maybe you think they have some upside within those guys. Um, I think that's probably a little too premature to be that you know full of expectation for them, even though they're very exciting but yeah i think i i that's why this report didn't really strike me as all that meaningful because it just doesn't really feel like a messiah thing to do or just like a, a thing that a smart front office would do is to trade into the top 10 which is going to cost you something to get into the top 10 and, and mm-hmm. to do that to draft a guy who probably doesn't profile as someone who can be like a superstar and like you're not really going to be getting that unless you're super lucky in that range of the draft anyway um, so that that seems a little bit puzzling to me, and honestly, I, I also don't know what the Raptors would trade to get into the top ten. It seems kind of they have this weird sort of they're in a middle ground here, I think, where neither Kyle Lowry or Demar Rosen are probably valuable enough as is right now in their contracts to be worth you know a team you know giving up a top ten pick, especially a bad mm-hmm. team that needs to rebuild and probably isn't sort of set up timeline wise to absorb one of Kyle or Demar. They're probably not good enough to get in there. But then also, neither are any of the other guys. But, like, if you were to prepare, you know, if you were to trade DeMar to, like, Memphis, for example, and Memphis were to send back the, the Chandler Parsons contract, maybe that works a little bit more for Memphis's timeline. But, like, there's still this weird – the area between, like, 5 and 12 or 13 just doesn't really seem like an area that would work for either team if Kyle or DeMar were involved in a deal because that's not enough you're getting back if you're – if you're the Raptors, who probably have designs on still being pretty good, and you know, it just seems weird to like sort of set yourself back and further like this. This team is not going to be an instant tank team if they do get rid of Kyle and Demar, and adding another top ten pick into the mix immediately probably limits that as well. And there's just too much talent on the team to be that bad and do a proper tank job. So none of it really smells right to me. What was your reaction when you heard this come out, though? Yeah, I was I was pretty puzzled by it to be honest. Like, I think it does make sense the Raptors would be looking to move up, uh, but again, like I don't think they really have the contracts to make it work. Like again, the guys who most teams would prize are the guys that they wouldn't give up if they're trying to go young. Like as you said, like an OG Ananobi, Pascal Siakam. Like those are the young guys there who've shown like maybe flashes of star upside or at least like have a very reasonable NBA floor. Teams really like them. And, like, why would the Raptors trade one of them if they're trying to get younger a little bit? That doesn't make a ton of sense unless they absolutely love somebody in the top ten. 
And then the Shai Gilgis Alexander thing, like he's a really good prospect. I think like if the Clippers, for example, were to draft him at twelve or thirteen, like he's a very solid pick. He's a guy who can help now. He can develop with the team. He should be like a pretty good starting level player. I think that's like a reasonable upside. And like they're a young team, they're not going like championship anytime soon. But uh, for the Raptors, that's an interesting target. Like if it said they wanted to trade up for like Miles Bridges, I would have bought it quite a bit more. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a guy who I think fits on the Raptors roster better and just is kind of a higher upside play. And he should also be available at 10 probably. Mm-hmm. Um, even a guy like Lonnie Walker, who like I know a lot of draft people are not huge fans of, but like I know fr- some front offices love him. And he, you know, he could be really, really, really good if he pans out. Like even a guy like that kind of makes more sense to trade up for with that kind of assets than Shai, who's like he's good, but he's not like a prospect who I imagine teams just giving away like a ton of assets to trade up for. So I, I was pretty skeptical too. But like, who am I to question Mark Stein and his sources? So yeah. Also, I wonder like if that's the case. Maybe that's the Raptors. Or someone getting something out there that, you know, yeah, Shea's the guy we want, so maybe some team would sort of reach for Shea if they really want him, and then maybe the guy they actually want falls to them. Like, there's so much stuff going on behind the scenes that we have no idea about. And mm-hmm. so, like, again, take everything with a grain of salt. And, yeah, the, the Raptors roster, it just it's weird to make trades right now with it because I don't really know the landscape of what first-round picks are really worth at this point. I mean, it's obviously the cost certainty is probably more valuable than it's ever been considering that there's not a lot of cap space going around and we don't really know how the cap's going to react or go forward. I mean, obviously the gambling mm-hmm. money might change things in a few years' time, but for now it seems a little bit stagnant. So, like, guaranteed you know, certain money on rookie deals is super valuable. So I'm not sure a team's going to want to give up a, you know, even in the Clippers situation, a 12 or 13, to get, you know, a guy who probably doesn't push them over the top to wherever they want to eventually go. Like, if they're in the hunt for a Kawhi Leonard, yeah, yeah, you give up those picks. But, like, for a DeMar DeRozan for something like that, like, that doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. Um, so, I just, the trading thing for the Raptors, they kind of have, like, tiers of tradeability on the team. I think the guy, there's guys that they can't trade, which is probably just Serge Ibaka. There are guys who... <laughs> They would probably like to trade in theory, but you know maybe it doesn't quite work value wise. Maybe that like is like Nor- Norman Powell, Demar Derozan, and maybe Jonas. Although Jonas had a pretty good season, it might be actually worth something. There's guys that I just don't think they'll trade unless it's for a superstar package. That's probably your OGs, your Pascal's, and Delon Wrights, or even Delon maybe involved there. I don't really know. And then everything else, like what's Jakob Pertl getting you if you trade it? Like are you getting a top fifteen pick for Jakob Pertl? He was a top yeah. ten pick himself, but he's two years closer to being a free agent. And you know, I think he's good. But yeah, I think the hope of a pick that is not really fully realized yet is probably a little bit more than really solid backup center who's good at protecting the rim and has some issues offensively. Like it just there's not really a sweet spot for the Raptors to make a trade into that part of the draft. So that kind of is where it kind of stops for me. Um, sorry, did you want to say something there? No, I mean, I think you you basically touched on one of the key elements of the draft, which is kind of the, it's very cliche to say, but it's true. It's exactly like a car. Uh, you know, the value depreciates massively as soon as you actually use the pick because yeah. a first round pick sounds fantastic. And then you actually get the guy and it's like, oh, like, yeah, he, he projects as like an average starting level player. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's nice, especially on a cheap deal. And, you know, he could be potentially be more. But it's way less exciting than just, like, future first-round pick. So, I mean, again, that applies to Pirtle, who's, like, a good player. Like, he's a good young player. Uh, He's definitely a a very good backup center. Like, maybe on the right team, he's a starter. He's still young. He's still cheap. But, like, I don't think any team is trading a top-20 pick for him. Mm -hmm. Maybe a team in, like, the late first round. 
like honestly the Warriors could <laughs> use like a young backup center and like he actually fits pretty well with them I think yeah uh but yeah I really I don't think you're getting anything above like 20 25 for him um Anunobi is a different story uh but like what Luke's saying like I don't I don't think they trade him unless it's for like Kawhi Leonard yeah I think that's the only sort of trade possibility I see where that's even a, a you know on the table for him um, and that's the other thing too. The Pirtle thing you mentioned is interesting because maybe they they can't get a top twenty pick, but maybe it's just a way to balance the roster a little bit more because they are kind of big heavy. At least they are now. I mean, we don't know what's going to happen this offseason with Surge or you know Bebe is probably going to be out the door. So maybe they want Pirtle, and Pirtle's good and like he's useful to have on your team. And I would not be begrudge them for bringing him back next season. But from what I've read and from what it seems like with like mock drafts, it seemed like the late part of the first round, early part of the second round is kind of loaded with just like. Guys who can handle the ball a little bit, wings and point guards, mm-hmm. and like maybe guys who are a little bit more playmaking adept, which is not really Pirtle's bag. So maybe that's just a, what they do. They sort of cut the loss that the ninth overall pick wasn't a, a home run in a bad draft year, and they say, all right, let's just try to balance the roster a little bit more. I could see that maybe, but again, two years after getting rid of yours, drafting Yakup Pirtle, I don't really see that totally being uh, something that's in their plans. But you know, maybe some guy blows them away. Um, let's talk about some of those guys. Actually, let's wait. We'll, we'll get to that in a second. First, let's take a quick break. On the other side, we're going to talk about the uh, DeMar DeRozan stuff because uh, the Clippers, I don't know. Well, I'm not sure they're a big team in the DeMar DeRozan sweepstakes if there are sweepstakes going on, but uh, they're an interesting team nonetheless. So we'll take a quick break, come back on the other side, talk about DeMar, and then quickly talk about some uh, bench or late, late – Set, wait, late first, early second round guys, maybe undrafted potential guys that we can uh, maybe sort of throw into the Raptors mix. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, we are back. Uh, let's, yeah, DeMar DeRozan, quickly touch on this. Some people have thrown out the idea of, like, DeMar for the 12th and 13th picks. It's been very Raptors. Raptors fans have been trying to trade DeMar for weeks now. It's exhausting. <laughs> I don't love it because I love DeMar, and I would be sad to see him go. And also, I think a lot of these trades probably aren't very realistic. The one that I the, like, I think I mentioned earlier today, I think the one that makes sense a little bit to me is Chandler Parsons in four. If Memphis thinks they're good, and which they seem to think they're good because their owners are insane, if they think that they they can win 50-something games next season and maybe they can pair DeMar with Mike Conley and try to get a similar effect to what DeMar's had with Kyle Lowry, maybe that's something they think about. I don't think so, but hey, that at least sort of makes some theoretical sense to me, at least a little bit. The Clippers thing doesn't make a lot of sense, even though DeMar and L.A. have kind of been interconnected. Any reaction or you had any sort of reactions or just like, I don't know, have you thrown stuff when you've seen the idea of DeMar getting traded to the Clippers? Because like, it could work. Like, he's a nice player. He's a very good player. Like, I don't want to disparage DeMar, but he's probably more valuable to the Raptors than he is to a lot of other teams. Um, What's your sort of uh, stance on DeMar's trade possibilities as they relate to the Clippers. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it's really there, to be honest. In some ways, I, I can kind of see it, even outside of the L.A. thing. Um, Jerry West and Lawrence Frank and the rest of the Clippers have been emphasizing over and over again leading up to the draft competitiveness, toughness, guys who are willing to improve, guys who work hard on their games. 
And if nothing else, that describes DeMar DeRozan. Yeah. I think he is a very Jerry West kind of player in some ways. Also a shooting guard. Also a guy who just, like, humble, uh, works super hard to improve, like, hates losing. Also owned every year by probably his superior in the time that in which he was really good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, numerous comparisons. Um, and, like, look, I like DeMar. I think the Clippers, like, if they could just get him for free, yeah. you know, they'd be like, oh, DeMar DeRozan, that's awesome. Uh, if they had a similar salary dump, like, you know, like the Parsons thing, maybe the closest to that would be Danilo Gallinari, which I don't, like, I don't, why would the Raptors do that then? Yeah. Uh, unless they really loved a guy at 12 or 13. But, like, I don't think the Clippers would even be willing to do that. I mean, Gallinari only has two years left. I think the third year is partially guaranteed. Uh, they really need young players. They need guys with high upside. I just, even, you know, theoretically, I mean, it's unlikely a 12 or 13 pick is going to be anywhere near as good as DeMar DeRozan. They're still cheap. They're still young. And, like, I, I just don't know what DeMar does for a Clippers team that's already kind of in limbo. And I, he would push them closer to contention. But still, I mean, even if you swapped him straight up for Gallinari with, like, maybe a future pick or something, like, that just doesn't make them any closer to beating the Warriors or the Rockets or even teams like the Pelicans even. I don't think they would beat them in a playoff series. So, yeah, like, I, I really don't see it. Um, I've been seeing trades like Tobias Harris and the 13 for DeMar, and that's just insane. I don't think I'd trade Tobias straight up for DeMar DeRozan, uh, which to Raptors fans might also seem insane, but Tobias is really good, and he's a little younger, and he's going to be cheaper, and he fits just better kind of with the modern NBA and also just with what the Clippers already have. I, I really I can't see it. Um, unless they really wanted to get off Gallinari's contract, and it was like Gallinari in 13 for DeMar, and I think they need something else to make contracts work, but mm-hmm. it's it's very unlikely. And as for the, the Parsons and Four thing, I think theoretically that's good, but who knows what the Grizzlies are doing. Like you said, like, they, they just have... Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, a reasonable front office I don't think would ever do that. Parsons, again, he has two years left, and his contract is awful, but you have the fourth pick in, like, one of the best drafts in a while... I just, there's no way I think they pull that trade unless, like, they absolutely think, like, the team is moving if they don't make the playoffs for the next <laughs> couple years, uh, which, like, theoretically possible. But, um, like, you can get a guy at four who, if you draft right, like, a Jaron Jackson Jr. or Luka Doncic, if they're available, could help out substantially within, like, their first couple years. Uh, probably, again, won't be as good as DeMar, but, like, cheaper. You can do other stuff with that money. Um, I, I just, I really don't know. I don't, I don't think it's likely. Um, and like you said, I think he works better with the Raptors than anywhere else. He's kind of an odd fit. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he really needs to be like your lead scorer and most teams just don't really want him as that. So yeah, I, I really don't see it. Yeah, and, like, Raptors fans are always going to probably have a more... I, I mean, maybe that's not true. Maybe some Raptors fans have a strong negative opinion of DeMar at this point. Like, I, I think a lot of Raptors fans probably overvalue him in these trade conversations a little bit. And this happens with everybody. Like, you said mm-hmm. you wouldn't trade Tobias Harris for DeMar straight up. And maybe contract-wise, that makes sense. But, like, I think DeMar is probably a better player than Tobias Harris. Yeah. But that's, like, op- there's bias built into that, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. And so it's hard to really evaluate. Like, the one maybe saving grace if you're trying to... You know, beef up DeMar's trade value is that, like you mentioned, with the Clippers, and I think a lot of teams around the league, and just considering the fact that he was a second-team All-NBA guy, I feel like the opinion of him in NBA circles is probably a lot higher than it is, say, on NBA internet circles. 
Um, yep. He seems like a guy that people really respect and like and think is someone that you know they want to have on their team. So maybe that boosts it. But again, it's such a big contract, and the Raptors don't really have to do anything. So I, I just I don't really see that really taking place. Um, but yeah, so let's go quickly. So we don't have that much time left. Let's quickly dive in to the stuff that all the Raptors fans really care about right now, which is who might go undrafted and become the next Fred VanVleet, because that's all they really got right now. Maybe they buy into the second round. I think the Sixers have like four second round picks or something mm-hmm, crazy like do. that. Yep. Maybe they buy in there, considering the Sixers already have a bunch of contracts tied up for next season and two first round picks of their own. Um, so maybe that happens. Where where it would be, I have no idea. Maybe the Bulls want to sell a pick again because they're cheap. That would be great. Um, <laughs> we'll see. But let's assume the Raptors are sort of hanging in the 45 to undrafted range. Was there any names that people should be looking out for as guys that you would say, yeah, like that's a pretty good value for the Raptors to get them either late in the second round or as an undrafted free agent? There's some guys. I think um, you kind of touched on this earlier, but this draft is stacked with wing players and uh, non-point guard guards. So basically shooting guards, small forwards is what like from pick 15 off to like 45, it's going to be like 80% guards mm-hmm. and wings. Yeah. Um, there are a ton of them, which actually from what you said about the Raptors roster and how they're a little big heavy, that actually makes sense. There are like seven big men who are getting drafted in this draft, and six of them are going to be in the first 15. Mm-hmm. So um, after that, it's like all wings, like a handful of point guards. I can't really see the Raptors taking a point guard unless they're looking to trade Kyle Lowry, which again, like I don't think is actually going to happen. So I'd be looking at wings. And just off the top, um, there's a lot of interesting names there. And again, like there are so many of them that at some point people are probably going to start taking guys to stash in Europe or shooting, you know, their shot with some random big man who's seven foot tall and blocks some shots just because it's a big man. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think there's a good possibility that at least a few of those wings who probably should be taken higher fall. I could not for the life of me predict which ones. I will say that Michigan, I went to Michigan, uh, I covered Michigan basketball briefly, I know their guys pretty well, has two guys who are seniors who are going to be in the draft who are not really, I don't think, should be selected, but are undrafted and I both think could be NBA players. One of them is a guy I've like had pegged as a Spurs dude for years, which mm-hmm. might mean a little less, less now with like the Kawhi Leonard thing, but Duncan Robinson one of the best three-point shooters uh, in the NCAA over the past few years, just dead-eye marksman from out there. The rest of his game, kind of more limited, but he's smart. Like He at least kind of knows how to play defense. Um, he can move the ball. But really, he's a guy who would be, uh, again, going back to Spurs, like a Bryn Forbes type. Like You just bring him in off the bench as spacer just to chuck threes. Uh, in many ways, I'd compare him to like a much lesser C.J. Miles. But again, like could be a useful guy to have as like, your 10th or 11th man. And uh, Muhammad Ali Abdul Rahman, who, if he was like a couple inches taller, would probably be draft worthy as a wing. He's a little small, but he can handle. He can go to the rim. He can shoot. He's a tough defender. Uh, again, really smart, but he's a little undersized for a combo guard. I think he's like six three or six four. Um, and both of those guys are quite old. Like they're around twenty four um, by the time of the draft. So not much upside there. But they're smart. Um, everybody who plays under John Beeline, knows how to play basketball. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think those are guys who could be interesting training camp guys as players who can shoot, like handle a little bit, just smart. But for guys who are a little bit higher quality, I'd say um, Kevin Hervey is a really interesting name. He was at uh, University of Texas Arlington, and he's a really, really big wing. Some mm-hmm. people have him as a power forward, but I think he could probably play some small forward. And uh, 
I think he might have had some injury issues as well, but his stats are really good. Uh, he performed really well in my model because he's a really good rebounder. He averaged uh, over eight for the last three seasons of his college career. Um, 6'9", 230 pounds. He's a scorer. He can shoot. Not great, but he's high volume from out there, so you know he can at least get shots up. And again, spacing is important. Um, you know, Sometimes it's not even guys who can make threes. It's guys who are just willing to take them and guys who teams will respect from out there. He could be that kind of guy. Um, again, good rebounder, athletic. Just kind of like an interesting-esque prospect towards the bottom of the second round. Um, in terms of point guard prospects, again, not sure about whether the Raptors will look at one. Uh, Javon Carter from West Virginia is a guy who I would probably take in the first round, but I've seen like down in the 40s. Mm-hmm. Um, he was one of the best defensive guards in the country. He averaged uh, over three steals a game his senior year. West Virginia, um, just like a guy, again, who people always throw out a ton of intangibles leading into the draft, a like leader, competitive, all that stuff. He really is, though. Um, he's super tough. He's big. Again, he's he can kind of shoot. Like He's not amazing, but he can shoot. And he's just a guy who you bring in off the bench, like 12, 15 minutes a game, uh, pressure an opposing point guard and some turnovers, ignite the team with some energy. Uh, kind of, honestly, from what I saw of the Raptors, a little bit of like what Van Vliet did on defense. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's like the playmaker or just overall player that uh, Van Vliet is, but I think he's pretty good and he's really good defensively. He's a guy to look at. Uh, and then another wing um, would be Gary Trent. Um, Son and, of a former Raptor. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there you go. Um, <laughs> see, I didn't even know that. I knew his dad was an NBA player, but I wasn't entirely sure. So He but, played like eight games. I shouldn't know this. I just do from trivia stuff. Yeah, he was eight <laughs> games or something like that. <laughs> um, but I think he's interesting. Um, he's a guy... NBA teams really like pedigree, and he did go to Duke. Uh, mm-hmm. So did Trayvon Duvall, actually. Uh, both guys who are not projected to go very high, even though they're young and they came out, which, again, could be a bit of a red flag. But he's a pretty big guard. He's 6'6". Six, six. Um, he had, like, okay rebound and assist numbers and steal numbers, actually. So he performed, like, decently well in what my stats model thinks is important. Um, shot the ball well. I think he's, like, a pretty decent prospect. Again, like, I don't – even though he's young, I wouldn't say he has, like, a ton of upside. Like, I'm not sure, like, the skills are really there, and I'm not entirely sure about, like, his Mm decision-making. But he's a guy who can do things on the basketball court. Um, And really, I think later in the draft, you're looking more for shooters, like guys like him or, again, Duncan Robinson, um, who can at least – you want a guy who has, like, one elite NBA skill. So for those two guys to be shooting – for Carter, it would be defense, and you just have to hope that the rest of the game is good enough that they can play, what, like 15 minutes a game. Um, again, like, you know, every once in a while, some team lucks into a legit, like, really good player in the second round, but most of the time, like, all you want is just a guy who can play rotation minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that's just, like, a quick overview. I'm not even going to cover the bigs because I don't really like any of them. And uh, I don't like, think I the just, Raptors are in the business of needing yeah. more bigs at this point, yeah. Yeah, so I, I don't think that's really a thing. Again, I just look at wings, so if for everybody who's listening, um, I would honestly just look at, if you have any time at all, and you know you have to have a job, <laughs> uh, I wouldn't <laughs> recommend doing any deep dives, but just look at maybe like the back half of like from 45 to 60 um, of like the top 100 on ESPN or whatever, look at a few of the wings, and just one of those guys would probably be who it is, um, because at least a couple guys who are a little higher above will fall, and uh, I think there will be some good players there. Again, can't predict it. One last name, Hamadou Diallo. 
um, who is at Kentucky. Mm-hmm. He was probably one of the worst players in college basketball <laughs> last year, uh, which is not a great recommendation. But he has like ideal NBA wing size, and he's really athletic. Uh, and some team is going to gamble on him and hope that he can develop some like actual basketball skills and abilities and uh, IQ and become like a player who plays as good as he looks. But, um, you know, for a team, again, like the Raptors, who kind of want upside and are just gambling for flyers, I think he would actually be an interesting guy to select later in the second round. Um, by no means a sure shot. Like, I would not be surprised if he's playing in Europe in just two years. <laughs> but um, of any guys, like, in that back half, like, he might be the one who just could be the best if things just click right for him. So maybe him. But, uh, yeah, it's it's kind of a, a weird draft where I think the cutoff is in, like, the late 30s or early 40s and then there's a real drop off in terms of talent right and like a team who's hoping to buy in like the raptors would really have to hope that one or two guys falls like the clippers last year actually got one guy they really liked at 48 Darius thornwell who played pretty big minutes for them in his rookie season as like an energy guy and defensive player mm-hmm. and even though he was one of the best players in the country because he was old he fell uh, a similar thing could happen again this year, um, but yeah, there are guys out there for sure. That's a that's a pretty expansive list. Hamido Diallo seems like new Bruno, which I'm down for. There's been a, a gaping <laughs> hole perfect. in my heart since Bruno left. Uh, also, he's got. I'm looking at the Ringer draft guide right now. Uh, Fred Jones, former Raptors, one of his comparisons. Uh, Javon Carter. Uh, or Javon Carter, if I'm mispronouncing that, I apologize to Javon slash Javon. Uh, Fred Van Vliet is also one of his comparisons out here, mm-hmm. as well as former Raptor Jared Bayless. So uh, it's good stuff people to get very excited about if uh, you care about comp- comps, which probably you shouldn't, but it's still interesting. Um, I, I uh, we got to wrap this thing up, but Shake Milton is the guy I want from just the mm. very little amount I've heard. He sounds like a bit of a gunner, and I'm down for that. Uh, and also, I guess Justin Jackson, the Canadian guy, who people will probably look at. He's maybe another guy who uh, people will probably like be mad that the Raptors didn't take because passports apparently matter up here. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so those two guys. Maybe we'll do another podcast on those guys. But those are just two names I want to throw in there. Do you have quick thirty-second takes on Shake Milton or Justin Jackson? Shake Milton is really good. Uh, if the Raptors can somehow buy up to get him, they absolutely should. He is really good. He will be like an NBA player. Uh, Justin Jackson, blue blood again. Like he was at a big pro- college program. He was a big name prospect. He was not particularly good in college, and I think he also had some injury issues. Mm-hmm. But again, like a guy with probably more upside than your typical late second round guy. So again, he would be an interesting uh, flyer candidate. Right on, Robert. This was awesome. Thank you for the bounty of information that you've put into my previously empty brain. Uh, <laughs> do you have anything you want to plug right now? Uh, not particularly. I actually I have a profile on Wendell Carter Jr. coming up tomorrow, which is way too high, uh, probably way too high for the Clippers, and definitely too high for the Raptors, unless they fall off a miracle, um, but he's like my fourth favorite prospect in the draft, and uh, yeah, he's he's really awesome, and that'll be up tomorrow. Right on, so check that out, uh, Clips Nation, at Rich Homie Flom on Twitter? Yep, still right. there. Right on, uh, yeah, read all Robert's stuff, Blazers Edge as well, you're very good, uh, and draft stuff, you want to be following Robert this week for draft stuff. Uh, listeners, please subscribe, rate, review on iTunes. It's the best way to support the show. It's very helpful. I very much appreciate it. Uh, we'll be back again tomorrow. We'll do an episode 
probably I don't know. We'll, we're going to do a couple episodes this week. One will actually do, like look ahead to what we want the Raptors to do on draft night. Another one we're going to look back on past drafts and get sad about what the Raptors have done because again, there's no pick for the Raptors, so we got to do stuff like this, like get into our feelings instead of actually analyze who the Raptors might take. Uh, but until then, thank you so much for listening. We will talk to you next time on Locked On Raptors. Robert, thanks, man. That was great. Yeah, thank you for having me on. Yeah, of uh, the Prudo Caploco thing is actually perfect. I was going to throw him <laughs> out there as a Hamadou Diallo thing, but right uh, you nailed that. So whatever you read was was at, that was that the ringer you said? No, uh, it was it was just Fred Jones on here. Just the way you described him sounded like Bruno. Oh because, no, yeah, yeah, that's exactly who I would comp him to. Actually, he, <laughs> I don't think he knows how to play basketball, but like, <laughs> man, he looks good. <laughs> Oh man, uh, that's Masai is gonna tra- tra- trade to like twenty five and take him there probably. So. <laughs> uh, that would be really bad. Uh, I would not recommend that. At like forty five, uh, go ahead. Yeah. I think the same thing was true for Caboclo. Honestly, uh, like people would probably not laugh as much, you know, if he would have taken a lot later. But uh, yeah, yeah, that was early. All right, man. I gotta wrap this thing up. I gotta go post this and stuff. So yeah, uh, sounds good. Enjoy the uh, the hotel living and all that stuff. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> Thank you, man. What did you I'll say? You got an internship everything. again? Sorry, you cut off when you said that. Oh yeah, I have an internship up in the Bay Area for the next three months, so that's why I'm moving my stuff up here. But oh. right now I'm at a hotel until I find a place to live. All right, uh, on. And get ripped off at. <laughs> well, good luck with that, man. <laughs> Thank you. All right, take it easy, dude. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, you too, man. Later. Yep. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.